This time on Poll Hub, new data on perhaps the single most contentious issue in American politics over the last half century, abortion. Our new poll with NPR and the PBS NewsHour is filled with something generally lacking from any discussion about abortion. Nuance will explain. Also, what's the right age for a president? Well, the answer doesn't seem to jibe very well with the current crop of Democratic frontrunners, or the Republican incumbent for that matter. And it's almost Father's Day. Have you bought a tie or socks for your pop? Well, we have some other popular options from a poll. We'll talk about those. So let's get to it. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper, Director of Innovation here at the Marist Poll. And I'm Barbara Carvalho, Director of the Marist Poll. And I'm Lee Merigoff, Director of the Marist College Institute for Public Opinion. And our executive producer, Mary Griffith, will join us in the next segment. But first... Let's talk about abortion. We have done a poll with NPR uh, and the PBS NewsHour. It's gotten a lot of attention um, for one, I think, really good reason. It shows that we are maybe not as polarized about it as abortion as the two extreme sides would have us believe. And I think what's interesting is that a number of Americans don't necessarily identify with the louder voices, the advocates on each side of, of this debate. Although there is, um, you know, there is something in this poll for both sides to, to uh, take away. What we, what we did find was that although Americans, uh, 57% identify with the label pro-choice um, and uh, 35% identify with the uh, label of pro-life, um, there's a lot more to the discussion than just those labels or some of the other polls that we have seen on abortion that really just only deal with should it be legal or should it not be legal? Um, should there be restrictions or should there not be restrictions? What we did was the entire poll asked a number of different questions about the issue. And as you point out, Jay, there are a lot of nuances. Um, in addition to this um, question that we asked that asked people to take sides. We also ask a question, um, which we have done over the last 12 years, um, since, since 2008, um, about where people feel they fall on a, on a number of different positions. Kind of on a spectrum from one side to the other. And one side being that abortion should not be legal in any circumstance, and the other side being should be legal in every circumstance. And I think what's interesting in this poll is about three-quarters of Americans felt that abortion should be legal. The question really is, up until what point it should be legal. And under what circumstances? And, there, yeah. and, and most people did feel that there should be significant restrictions, um, that in fact um, abortion really um, should, should not be uh, accessible after uh, the first three months of pregnancy, except, and these were big exceptions, which had an incredible consensus, except for the health and life of the mother, where 86% of Americans felt that um, abortion should be available throughout pregnancy for that, for that reason, and also for the, um, for the, the exception of uh, incest and rape. Now, although that wasn't as strong a consensus, I believe it was about two-thirds of Americans did feel that that exception should, should also um, e exist. So what we're finding is if we talk in a little bit more detail to Americans about abortion, uh, there's really quite a consensus about the policy 
of, of abortion that seems to be getting lost um, in, the, in the public debate. And what I found really interesting about the, the timing of the survey was that clearly this has occurred um, following uh, New York State's more liberalization of, of the policy. Right, and they decriminalized it, although people think that it already had been decriminalized. Yes. It was still on the books but, as but a it, crime. But, but in terms of the public's Perception, yes, of, perception of what was going on, it was a sense here that New York had moved the discussion in a more uh, accessible, less restrictive direction. And then, of course, there's been a lot of attention focused on different state laws. Uh, I guess Alabama was the first, but others have followed suit. I'm not sure it was the first, but there have been... Alabama, several, Louisiana, Missouri, yep. there's a yes. bunch. And, and, and around the country, Georgia. And, Georgia. Yeah, yeah, around the country there's, there's a quite a few state legislatures who have been moving this in a more restrictive direction. Um, and what In was, order to bring it to the Supreme Court that's and right. to test Roe But in way. terms of public opinion, what, what was really interesting was that both sides, in a sense, overstepped where public opinion was. And so we saw that before New York, there had been a much greater sentiment for the pro-choice and the pro-life positions. After New York, they became pretty much even. And then after the more restrictive efforts by these various states had, had come into play, it Public been reverted back to what it was prior to New York, which means that you know the the the, the public debate and the dialogue um, can be missing where a lot of people are in terms of the public opinion. Then we get into a discussion of Roe v. Wade and the Supreme well, Court Ro, I mean, and all Ro's, kinds of things like that. Roe's a, a big issue here because yeah. uh, I, I don't think. Uh, there are uh, relatively few people, when you were looking at, at polls in the past, that had a sense that Roe could be overturned. Yeah. I mean, there are people who supported overturning it, but the, the consensus, I think, was that it, what, there was not really a great risk to that, despite what Planned Parenthood or somebody might be saying. And that, to me, has changed. Um, these laws that have been instituted in, in places like um, Alabama and, and, and some of these states are clearly there, as you said, to mm -hmm. test Roe v. Wade. But here in this poll, it's very clear that a majority and not a small majority of Americans believe Roe v. Wade should stay as the law of the land. Whether there's some changes to it or no changes at all or expansions of it, we mm -hmm. asked about all those. The, the majority are not in favor, by a pretty significant number, are not in favor of the direction that these these states are taking in trying to take a case to the Supreme Court with the hopes of Roe v. Wade being overturned and abortion being made illegal in the U.S. And then, of course, it becomes we start immediately fo refocusing on 2020 and what candidates may or may not be saying on the Democratic Party, on the Republican side. Um, clearly, abortion as an issue is important for Americans. Um, the issue itself is more important, I believe it was, for Republicans as a number one issue than it was for Democrats who had other things on their minds like health care and a variety of other issues. Um, but there's a lot of people going to be looking at this issue in terms of, you know, how does it play out in the 2020 um, election? You know, um, I think one of the things that struck me in this in this poll was we asked uh, a whole battery of questions about the different pending state laws, and and the restrictions that are in them, the little, the fine the distinctions fine, yeah, the, of the of fine distinctions. And you know, again, we tend to we tend to discuss this issue in the in the public realm um, as one side or the other. And I thought it was just very interesting the way um, Americans 
uh, looked looked at these uh, different laws and didn't necessarily fall on one side. Yeah, right. They didn't fall uh, neatly the into the, to the slots. You'd so, think. for instance, when we asked about a law that allows abortion at any time during pregnancy, if it's necessary to protect the life or health of the mother, as I had mentioned, 86 percent of uh, of Americans um, believed uh, that should that should be. Um, which which means that's a large number of people who de- define themselves as. Uh, anti-abortion or pro-life are saying that, they that agree this with that. is that they do that, they yeah. do accept and expect this kind of um, exception. Also, um, a majority support um, for a waiting period of 24 hours after a woman speaks uh, with a healthcare professional, which is something that Planned Parenthood and people on the other side are are opposed to. Yes. Um, also, uh, th- they think that um, doctors who perform abortions should have hospital admitting privileges. Now, I think there's a discussion that this is a simple procedure and isn't really required to even have a doctor but can have other healthcare professionals um, involved. But Americans also do think of this as a health issue. But remember that and, particular restriction, there's a there's a, a political history to that, which is that in some states, doctors can't get hospital admitting, admitting privileges if they're performing abortions for a variety of reasons. Exactly. And so it was a way to, actu- to effectively end abortion access in True. a state mm-hmm. by putting in that restriction, which is not about abortion. It's simply about health care. That's the way it was sold. And so, again, Planned Parenthood and people on that side say that this is actually very restrictive. The way that it reads to regular people, though, is well, yeah, that makes common sense. I think there might be, and there also, and there also are a number of communities where there isn't hospital access. I mean, they only have a a a clinic, a healthcare clinic in their community, perhaps for uh, you know miles and miles of of, uh, from them. So yes, it was absolutely a a restrictive um, law with that intention. But again. Does does make sense to most to most Americans. Um, also, allowing um, abortion any time during pregnancy in cases of rape or incest, um, a law that requires insurance companies to cover abortion procedures. Again, was, on the was, other on the other side, fifty three percent of Americans um, also supported that. Things I, that I was really surprised by that, based on how much the healthcare debate has has circled around all kinds of issues about cost and who should cover and what should be covered and contraceptives and all that. That one stood out to me as the most, the single most surprising thing. And Lee, you mentioned the Alabama law, and I think the reason why it got so much attention is for this reason. Uh, When we asked about a law that makes abortion a crime, requiring fines and or prison time for doctors who perform the procedure, only 24% of Americans agreed with that. They and that's don't the want Alabama it. law. Yeah. And, and we, asked, we asked specifically, should this be criminalized or decriminalized? And overwhelmingly, Americans do think that it should be decriminalized, that it shouldn't be something that, that is a crime. Yeah, you feel like about every two minutes in this segment, someone should say, and therefore the labels pro-choice and pro-life miss where the <laughs> public is. So, we should have so a, why did we ask it? Yeah, no, but well, it's well, remember, important because that is where the arguments are being coming from. But I think what the survey showed, and I think from a poll methods standpoint, uh, if you ask a question just with two choices, you might get one answer or the other, but if he has six choices, in this instance, you may find out where the public really is and why 
almost, I guess, over 60% of the people who tell us they're pro-choice are dissatisfied with the laws as they are in the the policies. But also a similar number of the pro-lifers are saying that they are upset and dissatisfied with the policies. So you have two groups pushing their own agendas, if, if for lack of a better phrase. The public, very nuanced all over the place, and a lot of very subtle but important distinctions. Um, and, you know, the debate sort of going in directions but, that the public is happy politically, with. the last person on the presidential stage who seems to have gotten this right, if you're reading this poll, and this is 2019, and he said this 20 years ago, was Bill Clinton, who said abortion should be legal, uh, accessible or available, I don't remember the exact quote, and rare. And that, I mean, you know, the great, the guy who could split hairs, you know, who could do anything getting in the middle of stuff, that kind of, to me, still is the best explanation, political explanation for where Americans are. But you're not going to get it in 2020, I suspect, or in the time leading up to the election. You know how they say uh, if it's Tuesday, it must be Brussels. If it's Wednesday, it must be, I don't know, you know, Antwerp, uh, those big European trips where you're city to city. So if it's Tuesday, there must be about 114, 115 Democratic candidates running for president. Yes, quite a crowd indeed. (laughs) Quite a crowd. We've we've talked about this crowd in a lot of ways. We've talked a lot about the polls, um, whether we should be paying attention to the polls. But um, there's a new poll that is looking not at who's up and who's down, but at what characteristics Democratic primary voters are looking for in a candidate, a characteristic other than beating Donald Trump, which is, as we have found, the biggest characteristic they're looking for at all. Mary, it's interesting. Some of these things, I think, were running counter to some of the narratives that we're hearing about this field. That's right. And one of the characteristics, Jay, that the Pew Research Center uh, focused on is age. And this was a survey that was conducted at the end of April through the middle of May. Um, they uh, surveyed more than 10,000 adults, including more than 5,600 Democrats and Democratic leaners. And what they found is that most Democrats would like a candidate between uh, ages of 40 and within within their 60s. So and I'm throwing my hat in the ring. I just want you to know I'm in that range. And, and I, so my I hat is going to stay firmly on my head. I, I'm way too old for do that. Do you really want to do that, Jay? <laughs> sure. You know, it's a crowd. You've I might been, well you've join been to Iowa. You've covered yeah. candidates in Iowa. I have covered Iowa. candidates in Iowa and New Hampshire, so I've got some experience. I've got more than some of these people do. <laughs> and just to put a number in there, 47% of Democrats and Democratic leaners say a candidate in their 50s would be their preference in terms of the ideal age of a president. And this I find just incredible because if you look at the numbers, at least early numbers that we see, the candidates who are all getting the support are significantly older than these statistics suggest Democrats are in the hunt for. Yeah, I mean, so you have Biden and Bernie and Warren and I'm yeah, going to leave out. Part of this narrative has been uh, about this field is that it's super diverse. It's young. It, there's a lot of women in it. There's a gay guy in it. There's a lot of African Americans in it. This is a crazy diverse field that's exciting for the Democratic Party. And this poll suggests, yeah, guy in his 50s. 60s would be fine. And the polls are suggesting, the other polls, popularity, that, yeah, a white guy in his 70s would be fine, too. (laughs) What's going on? So, yeah. So, I think we're going to see, if you have over 20 candidates, I mean, this is, you know, we always talk about lanes, and this is, like, really a niche now. Everybody's looking, going to be looking for, with the exception of the people who got double-digit support, and Biden, obviously, in the front-runner capacity, front-runner role. But people are going to be looking for just carve out a little niche so they can qualify for the debates down the road. They can still be in the in the conversation, which is going to be hard. But Mary, one of the things that people 
talk about is enthusiasm. And one of the things in 2016, people said, well, Hillary Clinton, great, you know, good candidate, more experience, all of that. But she didn't drive the vote among some groups that others did. And is that what some of these poll numbers suggest? Well, we are seeing that uh, among Democrats, they're most enthusiastic or more likely to be enthusiastic about a candidate who is a woman. Now, I do want to bring Lee into this and ask the question is, when we're looking at these numbers and we're talking about enthusiasm, how much of an indicator is that in terms of how would that translate on election day? Well, I think it's, it matters probably more in the Democratic primary because, you know, if you look back at 2016 and 2018, the midterm elections, you know, the, the turnout was just off the charts. So the degree to which enthusiasm motivates people to show up, it, you know, uh, you know the, the base, the mobilizes the, the base. Um, I suspect by November of 2020, both bases will be absolutely totally connected to this contest. And so I think the turnout, it probably will be a record turnout. Therefore, you know, enthusiasm matters, but may not be the kind of thing that tips it over the top uh, for anybody. But in the Democratic primary, you're talking about Iowa, you're talking about New Hampshire, you're talking about raising money, you're talking about rallies, endorsements, and all the stuff that makes for primary politics. I think that is a factor that we're going to be looking at. In this poll, women are more enthusiastic about a woman running. African-Americans are more enthusiastic about an African-American running. Hispanics more blah, 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 right? It, it, it follows. So I, I kind of come back to if that's where the enthusiasm mm. is among these groups that are really critical to Democrats winning, what does it say about the party that two old white guys and an older white woman, Elizabeth Warren, are at the top of the heap. Kamala Harris is the if if she's you know the numbers are very squishy at this point, but she would be number four. Okay, you got an African American woman in there who's not seventy. Hallelujah! But the top three I don't, I, don't yeah, really fit yeah, where the enthusiasm and, has to come from. So, so, so yeah, so, so so I think in the end though, when you get to the general election, Donald Trump will take care of Democratic enthusiasm problems, <laughs> just like Hillary Clinton did for, for Donald Trump yeah, last yeah, yeah. time. But you know, I think the Democrats do get into a little bit of a trap here um, and, and probably you know people will not be happy with the next sentence but when you get into identity politics too much and you start carving up the electorate by demographic factors I think you run into a little bit of a problem um, I remember way back when I'll do one of those because uh, I am of that age um, when when um, uh, Michael Dukakis picked I thought Lloyd... you were going to go back to Kennedy and no, Catholics no, no, no. or something <laughs> when Michael Dukakis picked Lloyd Benson as his running mate. Lloyd Benson? Some commentators said, well, with the demography changing in the Democratic Party as it is, that's probably the last time we're going to see two white males uh, <laughs> on, on the national ticket. And then, of course, the next time it's Clinton and Gore, and later on it's Gore and Lieberman, and then we have Kerry and Edwards. And so it was hardly the end of it. I suspect this time, though, the Democrats will probably have something other than two white males. I don't think we're looking for a Gore-Biden ticket <laughs> to uh, to enthuse the, the base. It certainly seems like the people responding in this poll are indicative of that, right? What they're basically saying is, yeah, we want to beat Trump, number one. I mean, they're not saying it in this, but we've seen this in our polls. Find me the person who can beat Trump. But then it's important that we see some of this excitement and diversity, and they want to see that. Now, they're, they're answering a question about the presidential race, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, if you're picking a vice president, it, it, it yeah, it, it kind of boggles the mind to think that 
that a, a white guy is going to pick a white guy <laughs> well, in and, this and year. What, yeah, and what was the motivation during the midterm elections, you know, the year of the woman? So, you know, I know, you know, when you raised, when you talked to Mary a few seconds ago, the, the notion of, you know, Hillary Clinton and a lot of people, you know, said, well, I, I think we should have a woman president, just not this woman. Um, that This field should put that argument to rest, I would think. But, Mayor, what's your take on the, the crowd here on, on the female side of the equation? Well, I think we need to take into consideration that when we're looking at this field itself, it's, as we've talked about, almost ad nauseum, the, the field is so large. It almost seems as though that someone can find somebody within this field with whom to identify. There you go. And so I think yeah. that we'll, what we'll be doing as we move down the line, get closer to the primaries as the field whittles down, this may shift a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I guess, and I, I'm wondering if Joe Biden's appeal, because I think people are a little surprised that after he announced not much changed in terms of, you know, bringing him down to earth in the numbers. He started doing what he was doing, and he's still in front. And I guess some of it is maybe when you have 24, 25 candidates, Democrats who want to beat Trump are getting a little nervous about a long primary season, uncertainty, and Biden sort of seems like he could put the uncertainty you know, in a, on the back burner. But this a is bit. a different era, and it yeah. doesn't. You know, yeah. it's easier, much easier to raise money from small donors via the internet. It's much easier to stay in the hunt, and I think that's. I, I, I just think with this many candidates in, you're gonna have a half dozen or maybe even mm-hmm. a dozen candidates rolling on through the various yeah. Super Tuesdays yep. it, in this wow. election cycle. Wow. They may not be, you know, particularly. Strong. Um, strong. They may not yeah. have much of a chance, but for them to disappear, the whole point of running for president right now is to put yourself in position to do something else better. Because it, <laughs> almost all of them recognize yeah. they're not going to be president, and, but it's such a low bar of ent- to, to entry yeah, now, yeah. and the Republicans found that out last time around. I have a feeling, sadly, and God, I really hope I'm wrong, that this isn't the anomaly, that 2016 and 2020 aren't the anomalies. But we're going to be seeing lots and lots of super crowded presidential races from yeah. here on out. You think, yeah, that's a possibility. You know, I, I'm thinking also, you know, you talked about the big field. You know, keep an eye out for the people say, I'm not running for vice president, because that's probably an indicator that <laughs> they're, they're all running, running for vice president. president. Yeah. But, you know, it's going to naturally winnow out a little bit. Why the first debate, the standard's a little lower to get to quality, uh, to qualify for the first and second debate. I know that with ABC and the September debates, it's gotten up to, you know, a higher standard, both in the polls and in the amount of fundraising. And if you can't get into the kind of like 2% and four polls and raising over a hundred something thousand dollars, uh, as, as I suggested uh, in the new standards that the DNC and ABC have put out, um, you're probably not going to go too far. So I think that group will, you know, if you're not in those ABC debates in September, that's probably bye-bye for, for your candidacy. So that only leaves, you know, about a dozen. <laughs> hey, and this weekend uh, coming up is Father's Day. So if your dad's around, you got to get some gifts. What do you got to get him? We actually have some poll data. About of course, that. we have poll data about <laughs> everything. everything. <laughs> and this actually is a CBS News poll from a few years ago asking what makes the best Father's Day gift. And top of the list is tools. But I guess that I guess that does make sense. I mean, most dads like to. Socks or 
supplies. Like to work around the house, but come close second. Close second is sports tickets. So wow. I could I could certainly uh, relate to that. A couple of other things: um, a book, a tie. Um, yeah. And that's about it. And that's. <laughs> so <laughs> but you know, I think crumples. you know, I think of you know, I think of you know, you know, as a kid, and like it, it was always hard to figure out what, what to you know dad. what dad wanted. So and so Mary, you've got some young boys, and they better get their dad a gift. What are they getting? Well, they are well, still. And, and don't spoil alert in case they listen. Right? Well, I'll tell you what we normally do. My boys are still very young, and I tend to err on the side of photo gifts. So like the photo plaques or a framed uh, framed picture, something along those lines. But now that the boys are a little bit older than they have been, um, they're really into making their own gifts. So oh, we'll cool. probably make some cards, maybe some pictures, homemade gifts. Although John would probably be very happy with either a new tool, like a saw or something that I wouldn't use, or sports <laughs> tickets, which I try to get in on somehow. Uh, and you have been very successful um, with that in the past because um, I think the boys also, all your boys, the big one included, uh, went to a hockey game um, Basketball. basketball. It was basketball. Basketball, basketball too. Oh, boy. And they, there was, that's, were that's like basketball on ice. Majors, <laughs> major exactly. seats, and I'm not sure if I recall, they lasted the entire game. No, they didn't last the entire game. In fact, we left with, I think it was two minutes left to go. The Knicks came back. We missed the entire end. The Knicks won a game? They actually That you won were at, game. but yes, you left? Yes, but we left. Yeah, that was a problem. Multiple rarities there. So the moral of that story is we're waiting until the boys get older to get decent seats. Okay, to do experience things. Because I was going to say, my dad my dad is 88, and that's what we like to do. We do some kind of an experience thing. Uh, mostly, you know, going out to have pizza or dinner or, um, uh, you know, holy cow. We, we uh, It's a favorite ice cream place um, near near us. But we kind of make it a, we make it a day to, to spend together. Lee, do you have any memorable moments? Yeah, I have to uh, you know, go deep into the memory. My father would have been 105 right now, so uh, we, we might, probably would have given him electricity. No, I'm saying uh, it was not that not that old. Um, my father would have liked, my father you know, was kind of like not into major events like that unless you forgot him. Uh, but uh, he would, you know, if you did a chore like paint a fence, um, a la Mark Twain, that might that might have worked. His tastes were very plain with one major exception. He liked beluga caviar. Oh, wow. Um, not wow. any caviar. But Caspian beluga. Sea beluga caviar. Wow. Which, well, which I think is have... practically extinct now, so wow. that would be a very difficult wow. gift to, to Well, if to you're going to have caviar, I mean, you might as well. How long did you have to save up your allowance to get well, it to? Well, that was, well, it was my brother, me, and my mother, and anybody else we could shake down <laughs> for, for the occasion. But that stuff was, that was steep, uh, but he would inhale did, it. Did he give you a taste of it? I actually tasted it a few times. I did not like it, which is probably a good thing. Salty, later fishy. Very salty, yeah. very yeah. salty. Yeah. But, that, but that is my memory of uh, Father's Day. All right. Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there and all the dads to come. That will do it for this edition of Poll Hub. Poll Hub is a production of the Marist Poll at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. And our executive producer is, as always, Mary Griffith, who keeps us on track and on time. She tries to do both of those things. We're not always cooperative, but we'd also like to thank the Roper Center Archives at Cornell University, who do provide us the ability to look back in time at survey questions and results over the decades, we get trend that way. We do. And hey, don't forget to reach out to us on social media. We're at Maris Poll on Twitter or Maris Poll on Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe. Have a great week.